2: What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Bleed Fantasy Football Show with your pal, it's Fabs. And boy, do I have a treat for you. Not only am I going to be talking about the what's what in fantasy football, but of course, we got Toss here as well. We brought in the legendary king, the man who is more synonymous with fantasy football than maybe anybody on the planet, the hardest working man in the industry, Bob Harris. Football Diehards, Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio. What is up, my friend? Welcome to the podcast.
3: Thanks for having me on, Fab. It was a kind intro, uh, but no lies were detected. Absolutely uh, 100% <laughs> honest assessment, sir.
2: Well done, man. As always, you can find Bob over at Football Diehards on Sirius XM and on X at Football Diehards. How about that? Now it's X. It's like... The Redskins are no longer the Redskins. They were the football team. And now they're not the football team. They're the commanders. And now Twitter is no longer Twitter. It's X it's It's that place. I
3: work a lot. That's what I call it.
2: (laughs) Anyways, I always make a joke about X a lot to talk about here, Bob. This is the weekend when most people are doing their drafts or at least a pretty good percentage of people are doing their drafts. Mm. We got all the news that we need and we continue to get more. And the most recent bit of news, which to me is troubling is that Cooper cup had a setback in his return from a hamstring injury. And he is now considered day to day, according to Sean McVay. I know I dropped Cooper cup in my rankings at wide receiver. Uh, where did you drop Cooper cup? If at all. And at what point now hmm. do you
3: feel comfortable drafting him? I did drop him. A, uh, you know, he's been my, not my wide receiver one. I love that consistent average weekly scoring over the last two seasons when he's been on the field i'm also injury agnostic so i don't fear players who have been hurt getting hurt again but i'm not stupid i don't like to draft players who are already injured not the best course of action i've dropped them down to wide receiver four for now i know my buddy dwayne mcfarland uh put out a tweet that i thought or next uh that was pretty interesting he took off uh his projections like uh you know two games and lowered the target share a little bit and still finished his wide receiver 12 in his model. So, I, I, like, I'm still comfortable drafting him and maybe taking the value and hoping. But but there's a risk involved. Maybe I would prefer him to be my second receiver if I'm drafting receiver early and he slips down into round two somehow. Uh, you know, and people might, you know, might shy away. You'll be, you know, would not be surprising if they did. And, and honestly, I wouldn't blame them. But I'm thinking about everything we do right now. I'm thinking what are we going to be talking about in October? Is this going to be the story in October? Is it going to be his hamstring? Maybe, but not, not certainly. So I think there's a point where the gamble becomes, you know, at least the, you know, the desired outcome is worth the, worth the risk.
2: See, I'm a chicken. I dropped a pennant at wide receiver because it's a soft tissue mm. injury. It's not getting better. He was hurt for half of last year. Mm. The Rams suck. Their offense is going to be terrible. I know how great he is. Listen, man, if I knew I was getting 15 games from Cooper Cup, I'm putting him in my top three among wide receivers, top four at worst. But this thing has the potential to linger, and I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him. I don't think Cooper Cup is a first-round pick right now. I just don't. It's too much risk involved. Hamstrings are funny. You know that, Bob. I mean, sure, these things can linger, and I don't know how much time he's going to miss. Like McVeigh talked about how they want to get him right, not for in terms of like the physical part of it, but actually being able to play football effectively without any limitations. So I don't know how long that's going to take. So would I draft him still? I mean, probably, yeah, but like he's not a first-round pick for me right now. Yeah, I'd rather go the safer route and take other players who I know are healthy, who I know reasonably that I'm going to have uh, some pretty high-end scoring from them uh, on a week in and week out basis.
3: Yeah, that's fair, and I mean honestly, you you, you know it depends on your own personal level of risk tolerance. And I know you, you know mine is much greater. I'm I'm willing to take more risk because no, w- what's going to happen at the end of the year? No one's going to remember if I lost the league. Only people people are only going to remember if I win the league. So mm-hmm. taking some risk is you know swinging big is probably uh, more my my tendency. But that said, like and, and I say this all the time, Fab. You know you can have risk on your roster without having a risky roster. You can build safer players around him and build depth differently uh, when you take some chances at the top. But ideally taking chances at the top is not necessarily the the route to take. So if you're out there and you're in a single league, totally get it if you want to dial back from Cooper Cup. Uh makes perfect sense.
2: And then we got of course the news on Jonathan Taylor. Four games and maybe he comes back and if he does come back, will it be for the Colts? We're not sure. Jonathan Taylor, in two drafts that I've seen, 10-team league, ninth-round pick, 12-team league, SI mock draft, which you can find at SI.com slash fantasy, seventh-round pick.
3: You comfortable drafting him in that range, or is he just off your board? Again, roster construction is going to matter. I, I wouldn't be against taking him as my third running back if I feel like I have two really solid players ahead of him at the position. So that's where I've dropped him down into my rankings, outside the top 24, down into the 30s, I would say. And, and like, there's enough uncertainty here where I feel like this is a big risk. But, you know, is it is it a ton more uncertainty? I mean, we we see Javante Williams on the field, uh, but, you know, talking to uh, people in Denver last night, you know, <clears throat> the talk is that they'll probably be cautious with him coming back, even though he's not opening up pop. Same issue with Brees Hall. I mean, it, it, so, you know, you're taking some chances with those guys. I feel like, you know, it seems like the injury component of this is probably more part of the negotiations than than actual injury. This seems, just my sense of it. So we'll see. But, you know, you know you're missing four games. So drop him down below the range you would take Alvin Kamara. Due to the uncertainty, he's going to miss three games. So just kind of doing those kind of calculations. But, but but don't draft him unless you have, like, two really solid options at the position ahead of him. Think about how the running back position
2: mm-hmm. has gotten a kick in the nuts, like, for the last couple of months. Think about it. the The Jets signed Alvin Cook. And we <clears> have to slow our roll on Brees Hall. The Patriots signed Zeke, and I still like R- Ramondre Stevenson, but I mean, you'd be stupid to think that his ceiling didn't take a hit, especially in the touchdown department with Zeke in the mix. Jonathan Taylor now is out for four games. We're not sure when he's coming back. So he's dropped down. I mean, running back has really taken it tough uh, over the last month or so. Uh, and those are just a few of the examples. We're seeing more and more committee situations in Philadelphia. I don't know who's going to be the guy there. It could be Gainwell one week, it could be Swift the next week, it could be Penny the next week. So that's why we're seeing running backs falling uh, in drafts. And I've talked about the zero RB strategy. And to be honest with you, before la- this, this year, I hated it. I hated it. Why would I ignore the best running backs in fantasy football, the most important position in fantasy football? Well, now it's not the most important position in fantasy football. It's the wide receivers. And because wide receivers are going so high, and you're seeing Kelsey going around one, and you're seeing Andrews going around two or three, you're seeing three or four quarterbacks go in the first three to four rounds. Running backs now are more valuable in rounds four, five, six, and seven than they ever were before. Uh, so, are, are you into <clears throat> the zero RB strategy, Bob? Are, are, is that a is that a philosophy that you, you've sort of taken in, uh, or does it kind of depend on the the flow of the draft?
3: It depends on the flow of the draft, uh, you know, where, what draft position I have. And also, you know, there's a little bit of zigging when everyone else is zagging kind of situation here. There's still some really good guys at the top end of the draft. Look, we're drafting everyone in the first round at their ceiling. Right. So know that, and know, there might be some disappointments involved, but, but, but those running backs at the top, those sure workload running backs. I'm not against, you know, having an anchor top end running back. That said, I've, I've built lots of rosters starting out with either two receivers a tight end and a receiver i've started rosters with uh two wide receivers a receiver tight end and then a quarterback so and all those builds have worked because of exactly what you said what we used to call the dead zone of running backs uh, you know that group around from around 17 18 down just maybe starting with kenneth walker goes down through madison there's a whole range of james Conner. you know i'm a big fan of just for anticipated workload um you know, lousy offense. Damian Pierce, lousy offense. But expect a pretty good workload there. James Cook is down there in a really good offense. So there's a wide range of players available in that you know rounds five through eight range that I'm that I'm willing to willing to go with just based on volume alone. And if you don't know what the zero
2: RB strategy is, you don't draft a running back in the first five rounds. You go with wide receivers, maybe a tight end, uh, a quarterback, for example. Then mm. you start eating up the running back position. And I've used it. And I I have hated it in the past, but this year it seems like it makes more sense to do it. If I have a flex position, I want that flex position to be filled by a wide receiver if I can do that. Uh, Toss, what about you? Uh, have you have you had any drafts so far where you've used zero RB? Uh, I know we've got a draft coming up uh, this upcoming week. I think Wednesday, where a bunch of us from the Believe Podcast Network are going to battle it out, including Chris Johnson, CK, uh, CJ.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
0: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld
2: is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.
1: Have you found the keys to unlock your best trip? On a Trafalgar tour, you unlock more than just the world. We give you the key to let down your walls and make lifelong friends. The key to discovering hidden talents and fresh perspectives. From one-of-a-kind experiences to iconic destinations, Trafalgar gives you the keys to unlock your best self. Discover more at trafalgar.com slash unlock. That's trafalga dot slash unlock. Tour differently.
2: 2K, Lendell, White, and some others. Uh, I don't uh, mind the zero RB
1: strategy, but it it all has to do with what happens in the first and second round for me. Um, Because, you know, that's where I'm targeting guys. Of course, if I'm I'm top end pick of the first round, McCaffrey and Eckler are interesting to me. And then that changes things. Of course, I'm not going with the zero RB strategy. But if I end up with Uh three stud wide receivers, okay, I can mix and match Rashad White and, you know, Cam Akers, who I know is going to get a lot of volume this year. David Montgomery, who still is, his ADP is way too low, in my opinion, given what we saw with Jamal Williams' effectiveness in the red zone last year. Um, And I'm cool with kind of piecemealing just my running back room, but making sure that if you do go with that zero RB strategy, you do need to take between six and round six and ten, two or three running backs at the bare minimum. Um, If you're in a full point PPR, I mean, I'm just in love with Jarek McKinnon. And he's so low on the board. Like, why wouldn't you just stash Me that too. guy?
2: Yeah. Yep. Double digit round. Yep. Yeah. You can get him laid. Yeah. McKinnon's a guy I've been targeting. Um, Ken Gainwell's a guy I've been targeting also. I seem to be getting a bunch of shares of them. I mean, even P Ryan. and P Ryan's going round seven, round eight, round nine, depending on the size of your league. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had like a 50, 50 split in that backfield with Javante Williams playing more of the pass catching role. Uh, and P Ryan being more mm. of the grinder that could absolutely happen. I and mean, we saw that in Denver, the last few years with Melvin Gordon uh, and Javante. So uh, P Ryan's also in that mix too. And again, it's, it's, it's a weird world for me. It's like the bizarro world, man. It's, it's dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. I, I never have ever, ever done this before, but I'm giving it a shot this year. I'm not going completely zero RB. Uh, I'm also going hero RB. I don't know if you've ever heard of that folks, but, hero rb means you draft one running back which is your hero and then you you start loading up on wide receivers tight ends etc in the first five rounds uh bob have you used that yes philosophy and honestly i think that philosophy works better in a 12 and 14 team league and a 10 team league i can get away with going zero rb and still get really good running backs in 12 the 12 teamers and 14 teamers it might be a little bit more difficult
3: yeah i tend to feel the same way and, and I mean that doesn't mean you can't get a receiver in the first round but come around to the second round there's still some of those really high end high volume running backs I know you know a guy that you know Josh Jacobs was one who was falling into the third round we'll talk about him but he's rising back up but but players like Derrick Henry you know towards the tail end of the second round I'm not averse to that because I don't fear him falling off the cliff but I'm mm-hmm. chasing that volume uh and I think that's you know look that's the thing I'm after is guys that I have feel are going to get certain volume but that that whole range down lower I feel really confident in their volume as well. So, so I, I've kind of like, we sit here and we have the benefit. I, you know, I've done well over a hundred drafts. Right. And so i I'm at the point where, you know, I'm shifting from best ball mode to redraft mode where, you know, I'm trying to keep in my mind, I have a single draft. And so I know most of the listeners out there are probably saying the same thing. I'm just going into one draft. So I do think it's, it's, it's worthwhile to say, like, if I was doing this one draft, I'd probably feel more comfortable with that anchor or hero RB, as you said, uh, whether I get them in the first or second round though is the difference and I can still have that receiver heavy build that's so desirable. You mentioned something about the receivers being flexed. I used to have a saying uh, that, I, that I used for many years, the first law of flexology is feature back over a wide receiver in the flex. Well, there's just, I don't say that anymore because there's, there's no feature backs that filter down to exactly. the flex level anymore there's just yep. not that many there used to be a time when there was you know 20 plus feature backs and you could work that out you can't do that anymore the nfl is it's a new landscape and you're you know the the number of backs who handle that kind of workload are are very limited so getting one of those is like the hero or the anchor makes perfect sense to me And you could still get those super super freak uh, wide receivers uh, up at the top as well
2: Tass did you hear him by the way a hundred drafts i i this this, this is an engaged man. I don't know how he found a woman who would marry him while he's doing a hundred fantasy drafts uh during the summer months, but uh that is a lot. That's why I Was <laughs> well, she Harris in is any of those leagues man with you?
3: Business, man. She is not. She she's oh. a big football fan, but not so much the fantasy. But uh also a very busy schedule, so uh so it works out well. But uh, to be honest, I started drafting in February, right? The best rooms open in February, so uh, it's not hard to get well up over a hundred if you're doing a few a week. Uh, since then, so uh, but but uh, but also, I think it's kind of you know what the the goal is here is to be steeped in it. And you know, when you're sitting here in your final drafts coming down the stretch, I have pretty good comfort level in what players are going to go where. And something about ADP I wanted to to mention. You know, you don't need to be a prisoner at ADP. ADP is not when you have to draft players; it's when players are getting drafted. If you want them, you might have to go ahead of ADP. So don't feel like you're trapped in there. Or as you're in your uh, your the whatever site, you're, whatever platform you're drafting on, you're going to be presented with players in an ADP list. Don't feel bound by that. It's not a rule book, people. It's it's just it, that's how they present them. First thing you want to do when you go into your draft is scroll down that list and find some outlier players that you're keen on or find players that aren't positioned where you want them. Move them over into your queue so you have them ready and, and you're ready to pounce. Jarek McKinnon would be a prime example of a guy I look for right away when I get in my queues. I know he's going to be way down the list. And I want to have him on my radar so I don't miss out on him. And I know when he's been going, so I know when I have to draft him. Because I'm not a prisoner of ADP.
2: Yeah, I've got a lot of McKinnon shares too. Uh, speaking of uh, preseason and, of course, <clears throat> the preseason, we didn't learn a lot. We learned a little bit. What players did you learn the most about in terms of their usage? Mm-hmm. Was there any players <clears throat> that, you, that you learned a little bit about their usage? What players moved up or moved down? Uh, based on preseason, based on training camp reports for you, Bob, that uh, maybe were a little bit lower or higher in your rankings uh, before August.
3: I think quarterback, one of the guys you like, uh, Kenny Pickett, has moved up. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, really, the, the offense just looks better. I'm not pinning every, all my hopes on exhibition play because not everyone's game planning. The defenses aren't mm-hmm. all you know as robust, but, but he looks like he's ready to make a step, and he has great weapons around him. I think the other piece of that offense that people have an eye on is Jalen Warren, uh, you know, creating a lot of buzz. He goes down on the lower end of the running backs that you can take and maybe have some hope of, you know, maybe something more than just like avoiding zeros when you get into the bye weeks, et cetera. Uh, so I like both of those players. The, the other quarterback I think that's risen is Sam Howell. Uh, people mm-hmm. are, have a lot of confidence, you know, harkening back to his time in college, a great runner there. So I think people have a, are starting to feel a little comfortable. And again, a good supporting cast. And one of those guys rising also, Jahan Dotson, you're seeing rise up i think tony pollard is people are getting more comfortable with the notion of him as a running back one and drafting him as like if you're drafting anchor or hero and you're waiting until the second round he's usually waiting there for you uh if you're drafting towards the tail end of the second round you get a high-end wide receiver uh and then come back and get him and and i i mean there's his range of outcomes is is the, the high end is pretty high right i think i know multiple analysts out there have projected him as their running back one overall i'm not one of those but i could see it they can make a pretty strong case for it um at tight end darren waller has risen up the ranks for me i've moved him up to number three just based on anticipated volume no offense to dj hawkinson but there's four, four or five guys there that can cut into his workload and you look he had, he was heavily targeted last season when he was there and minnesota passes like what 65 percent of the time so you know i'm not dismissing him but i think darren waller has that path to wide receiver one type uh workload and i love him going there jameer gibbs as you know michael fabiano if I am a hammer, he is my nail. Uh, and I feel like <laughs> I'm personally responsible for driving his ADP up. in many of many of those drafts I've been in, uh, I liked him a whole lot as uh, as fourth round Jameer Gibbs. I still like him as third round Jameer Gibbs. I'm liking him a little less as second round Gibbs, but he, that's where he's heading. But people, you know, people see what that offense did last year in Detroit. Uh, if you're thinking B. John Robinson is a locked in first round pick based on draft capital, based on he's running behind a decent offensive line, uh, based on just, you know, the, the draft capital invested mostly. Well, Jameer Gibbs with four picks later, people running behind a better offensive line and a more explosive offense. I know David Montgomery is there, and I think he's still going to have great value. but I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have a huge receiving role in this offense. We saw it with DeAndre Swift, a player they did not trust, and yet still was pretty productive when he was on the field.
2: Let's just hope that he avoids the curse of Barry Sanders, as you like, uh, you know, I like. Stop with your about- curses. Listen, man, every running back they've drafted in the first three rounds since Sanders retired has not lived up to expectations, gotten hurt, or both. I'm just saying if he goes out there and gets hurt or has issues with his statistical success and David Montgomery is better than we all anticipate, maybe gets a little bit more burn than we all anticipate, then uh, I can sit back and say, I told you so. Uh, I am not avoiding Jameer Gibbs, but I don't want him in the third round. If I got to take him in the third round, I'm I'm probably not going to draft him. And fourth round, like you said, Jameer Gibbs, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, certainly got a lot more confidence of Bijan John Robinson among the top two rookie running backs. And I think that's the case for
3: just about everybody out don't, there. Because... Don't make me throw Clyde Edwards-Alaire in your face, Michael Fabiano. Hey,
2: listen, I, and I will contend that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was good for the first six games before they signed Le'Veon Bell and they screwed the whole thing up. That, that was the, yeah, that was the, I, and I wasn't the only one who liked him, by the way, Bob Harris. Um, that was just a, a disaster of a pick. What's crazy about that, is when I went back and looked at Andy Reid and his offenses, he had so many running backs who were successful. Brian Westbrook, Deuce Staley, Jamal Charles, uh, Kareem Hunt. And he always liked to use, when he had one, he would Mm. use a feature back. And you draft a guy at the end of the first round, I thought they'd use him. Um, And now, hell, I don't even know what to do with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's the third guy on that totem pole in Kansas City. And, and he's getting picked as a late round flyer, if at all. He's, uh, he's your 20th round pick in Miami. best
3: balls right now. He's one yeah. of those, he's on that list of list of guys. And, but but that goes back to something I said, Michael is, you know, the, the we're drafting everyone at their ceiling in round one, including Bijan mm-hmm. Robinson. The only difference between Bijan and the other guys we're drafting at their ceiling is we've seen their ceiling. We haven't seen Bijan and I'm not knocking him. I'm drafting him in the first round when I'm drafting him. If he, if he falls in the right spot for me, but you know, we're taking a little bit of a leaf of, leap of faith with, with players we have not seen play in the NFL. And look, Arthur Smith, you know, a, an innovative offensive mind. He twisted up the uh, Rubik's Cube of Talents that Cordero Patterson presents and turned it into a thing. And uh-huh. uh, good for him. But what has he done for Kyle Pitts? What did he do for Drake London? He has not done as great a things for them. And I'm hoping, look, I'm hoping for the best. I'm just saying there's a, you know, again, looking at the range of possible outcomes, we have not yet seen that ceiling yet for Bijan Robinson.
2: Yeah, and, and I think a part of it is the quarterback position with uh, Atlanta, whether it was Matt Ryan, who was at the end of his career, uh, and boy, he was bad last year for the Colts uh, when he played, and you know Mariota, guys like Pitts, I mean, the, the, the targets that they're getting are not all that great. Um, he's right up there at the top in terms of the, 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 the tight ends and catchable passes that were thrown. He, he, he didn't see as many as many of the other players at the position. Uh, so harder for him to put up numbers and the same thing goes for drake london so um w- we've got a, a few quarterbacks that we're kind of hoping can pan out for our fantasy players not necessarily for their own individual ba- value although i do think sam hall is one of those guys mobile quarterback i like what i saw in the preseason he's gonna be fun to watch got a good matchup in week one against arizona so you're going to want to potentially start him if you need a quarterback <clears throat> but like let's talk about like desmond ritter and we don't know anything about these guys. Right. I mean, they, they've barely played if they've played at all in the NFL. We don't know anything about these guys. Raider, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. We've got a lot of question marks, at the quarterback position that are ultimately going to have an effect on the players that we draft. And some of them are, are going to be drafted highly, like a Drake London in Atlanta, for for example. What At, at what point does the questions at, at a team's quarterback position keep you from drafting a player or make you decide, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to see if he's available in a round or two. And if he's not, well, I'll have just passed on him and I'm fine with it.
3: All these things that we're doing, all these decisions, we're making in fantasy, including like Bijan and, you know, based on his quarterback we're, we're, we're weighing odds and we're considering probabilities of outcomes, right? We don't know the outcomes. And so the quarterback definitely has to be a factor in those. And Desmond Ritter's case, it's not a positive factor. I think, you know, Look, it's not going to keep me from drafting B. John Robinson. The quarterback situation, again, you look at the draft capital invested, you're going to expect that solid workload, but that doesn't mean Tyler Algier goes away or some of the other pieces go away. So you have to take all that into account, including the quarterback. Some of those other quarterbacks, CJ Stroud. I've not seen, you know, I've not seen a lot at the NFL level yet, but I'm I'm hoping he grows. And even the worst offenses do generate some especially if they're not playing great defense, maybe D'Amico Ryan's puts together a better defense than we expect. And they just go totally run heavy or they go run heavy to keep, you know, keep the opposing offense off the field. Uh, So I I have concerns about him. Uh, My concerns about Bryce Young center, mostly on the offensive line. I think he'll be just fine, but the quarterback's definitely a factor, but I think it comes down to the point where you're, you're kind of splitting hairs. And I think in most cases, like you look at Nico Collins, the perceived wide receiver one, you know, you're getting him, Close to the double digits or into the double digit rounds in drafts, you know, there's a reason why it's baked into the ADP in most cases. So make your adjustments if you're more confident and you think he's more likely to outproduce that level of uh, those expectations, despite his quarterback, or maybe because of his quarterback, right? But, yep. you know, some of the players we're drafting, we're drafting totally because of their quarterbacks, or at least in large part because of their great quarterbacks. Yeah. So any it chief. goes both ways. Yeah. yeah any exactly.
2: Chief. Any chief wide receiver, we all know we're getting out of Kelsey. Uh, yeah no question about that. So uh, let's let's talk about the rookie tight ends real quick um, before we wrap up the show today because that position we talk about players whose value is on the rise. Sam Laporta, uh, Luke Musgrave. Michael Mayer, I, I haven't heard right or wrong, good or bad about him in camp, but I mean, he's got a shot to be the guy for Vegas,, uh, you know, with only Austin Hooper there. And then, you know, let's not forget about Dalton Kincaid, who to me is probably the best rookie tight end prospect from a fantasy perspective uh, for this initial season. What do you think about these players? Because when I look at the group and I'm thinking, okay, they're in a good situation or they've got a good quarterback or both, and then I go back in my head and I think, wait a minute, rookie tight ends typically don't know anything. And what makes this group different? Is Is there, in your mind, one player who stands out above the rest in that quartet? Um, and are you playing it safe with the, with the rookie tight ends or are you thinking, Hey, I could be aggressive here. Sam Laporte is getting a lot of positive press. I'm going to go out and get him maybe a round or two higher than I would otherwise.
3: As long as Tyler Higby exists, I'm going to get a hundred targets not, and, 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 now, be, yeah. and be available late in drafts i can take a chance on one of those young up-and-comers and maybe play the upside right it's we do that a lot of quarterbacks but take a chance maybe draft that anthony richardson ahead of adp because you know there's going to be a really solid quarterback you can count on week in week out so Mm -hmm. if that's the case i'm willing to take a chance on. i think you mentioned dalton Kincaid. i think he's most interesting because he's probably not going to play a lot of tight end right or at least traditional tight end he's going to work in the slot and that's a big role in the buffalo offense and probably a big reason why they landed him and you know, moved up to do it. Right. So I think there's something to be said for that in a great quarterback as well. Uh, Laporta, I, I think he's fine. Also, it's like an upside play. I think some of the younger is there's other unproven guys that I know people are concerned about Greg Dulcich's usage. Cause they see a lot of Adam Troutman in the preseason in Denver, but you listen to people, Peter Schrager uh, on NFL network, you know, whose buddies with Sean Payton spent five minutes talking about the upside of Greg Dulcich. I don't think that was an accident. I talked to Parker Gabriel from the Denver post last night. he also, could not stop raving about about the greg dulcich and so just thinks his skill set is ideally suited to what sean payton wants to do to create mismatches so i'm looking for those kind of things but of the rookies those are the two it's kincaid and then laporta and like musgrave looks good he looks apart, the but there's a, a lot of pieces there and maybe he'll develop more quickly than than i expect but maybe it'll be Jaden. It, it could it's as likely to be Jaden reed or you know as you know, that rises up from the rookie ranks there as the slot receiver there in Green
2: Bay. Yeah, and I, I know he's not a rookie, but I want to throw Jake Ferguson's name into the mix here. Yeah. You know, Toss and I are big Back Cowboys like fans. Yeah, I, listen, I mean, if, if there's one thing that that we know is that the Cowboys are going to incorporate the tight end into the offense. They, they've they've almost always did it. They had J- Jason Witten for a long, long time. Then Dalton Schultz kind of came out of nowhere, and I'm like, ooh, wow, this guy looked you know, pretty good. He's, he's becoming the top 10, top 12 tight end. Jake Ferguson, I think, is that guy this year that you can get late and honestly I think I'd probably draft him over all of the rookie tight ends maybe Kincaid is close but I'd probably draft him over all the rookie tight ends Uh, so Jake Ferguson is a player that if you're looking for a tight end too late in drafts this weekend folks or on Labor Day uh, you want to make sure you go out and grab him Uh, he's not going to be as expensive as and I don't know that any of these guys are going to be ultimately expensive but like Bob mentioned Greg Dulcich, you know, Chicaconquio, I mean, Johnson. Gonna, right, I, I, they're right. They're, I mean, they're, they're probably going to go in the in the higher late rounds, if that makes sense. Whereas, like Ferguson's going to be a lottery ticket somewhere at the end of your draft. Um, how many drafts do we have going on this weekend, guys?
1: Three. You got three. I'm, for some Tom, reason, all of my buddies thought that Labor Day should just be a day of rest, and they're all on Tuesday and Wednesday, so.
2: Ooh. I rest i labor yeah. on labor day man bob labors on labor day there is no labor day for us it's the first damn week of the football season for crying out loud with that being said make sure you guys subscribe and maybe give us a few positive comments i know bob was on the show this week so you know that, <laughs> I with that, apologize being said, for that. um we love bob harris uh make sure you hit us up and of course it's the believe fantasy football show uh with michael fabiano yours truly and we will continue to be releasing shows on Tuesdays and Fridays. And next week, we're going to be talking about players you can pick up off the waiver wire because it's that time of the year. Start looking at a few matchups. And then on Fridays, start them and sit them. And of course, you can find all that content over at Sports Illustrated, uh, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Lindsey Rhodes and I will be rocking out 1 to 3 Eastern time every single day, helping you out. And Bob Harris... Tell the good folks where they can find you, except for basically everywhere.
3: <clears throat> everywhere. Uh, look for Football Die Hard on all your social media platforms. On the YouTube, I do a couple live streams every single week on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio and NFL Radio. I uh, do the Saturday night show there. So check it out. All available. Football Die Hard.
2: Football Die hards And he dies hard when it comes to fantasy football. Bob Harris, you are the man. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, Tash, you're the best. We will talk to you next week here on the Believe Fantasy Football Show with myself, Michael Fabiano, your friendly neighborhood fantasy football analyst who is going to help you take home a championship this season. We'll see you next week. Have a great Labor Day weekend, everybody.
0: At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.